Well, I would like to uh, get to work quickly so we can get to ministry. Uh, I, so I'm going to go fast because it feels like I could skip my part and we would do just fine. But you're, yeah, you're being nice to me. You're like, no, no, preach, but short. Uh, so I, I will. I will, I will try to be quick. Um, I, I want to give you a quick update from last night for those of you that were here very, very briefly, had a very specific word, if you remember, uh, about like someone who was having a dream with a red balloon. Do you remember that? And there was a person who was dangling a red balloon at me. I hold it now. Uh, and, and so that was, that's interesting. And then when I spoke to her, uh, she said to me, well, I was dangling it because I had picked this thing up two days ago and I was carrying it around and I wasn't sure why. And I've been having a series of dreams where I'd been in a car and I couldn't get to where I was going and it was confusing, which was the second thing I said, if you remember. And so she was like, so you were rude to me. She didn't say quite like that. I'm being, I'm being coy. And then also, a uh, guy grabbed me in the back. Uh, I don't know. The days blend together. Sometime, I think it was this morning, and said, my father-in-law was watching the stream last night. And he, uh, you know, had trouble walking or traveling around, but he was watching the stream and he's had a dream of this red balloon in his dream since he was five years old. And it means something to him about mercy that's being extended by God. And, um, and so I said, well, could I talk to him? And so he came and met with me this evening and said, this is a dream I've had. And it kind of moves to where I pray for different churches. And when you brought that up, it just led me to pray. And I'm interceding for mercy to be given to this church in this time. And another a girl wrote and said, you know, I have, have this reoccurring dream and I've been trying to find vision. Okay, so listen. This creates a couple problems. Problem one is why is Jay mean to that lady? <laughs> Problem two, so Jay thought he heard something from God, but now there's six people claiming said word. Who is it really for, and who are the liars? <laughs> Pro problem. <laughs> problem. <laughs> Some of you are like, I know. I already know. I've, I've, I've decided. And see, you know, and how many more do you want to hear? Like, maybe they all were. And aren't people just trying to be nice? And this isn't what charismatics do. They just start making things up to make each other feel better. Which is partly why I was being kind of clear last night. So listen, how do you make sense of those things? I don't really know. I really don't. The scriptures are clear. We prophesy in part. We're not always clear what's going on. And it's possible God is doing things that we're not able to tell what he's doing in a moment. Sometimes discernment takes more time. But I guess ultimately what I'd want you to hear out of all of that is 
the vast majority of the amazing things that God does in the scriptures and through church history requires people being willing to look stupid. You just have to be willing to be a fool. And I guess what I would want to say, and what I'll talk about a bit tonight, is how um, the real truth is you're already kind of a fool. It's probably in ways that you're not aware of. If you ask, if you're married, if you ask your spouse, they'll be more than happy to tell you. If you're single and you have siblings, they're happy to tell you as well. You are already a fool. The question is, are you a full fool in the pursuit of anything? Are you willing to risk for the sake of something bigger than yourself? This thing that we do, this sort of walking in the spirit, uh, is not the kind of thing you do so that you can look better or cooler. This is strange um, because you and I live in a celebrity culture. We live in a world where we want celebrities and like superheroes to like make everything better and new again. I'm not sure who it would be that would most intimidate you to meet like in the world. Like to meet them, it would be like, whoa, this is scary. Like you would get starstruck. I'm not sure who that is. Um, For me, it's certainly Denzel Washington. I just think I would be afraid. He just has such gravitas. It would be him, maybe Beyonce. <laughs> She's the queen. I mean, like, what are you going to do? It would, be fr- it would be frightening to me. I would be like, I don't And I remember as I started to follow Jesus, what was really strange to me was how afraid, really genuinely afraid I was of like people that I saw on stages. You know, I remember meeting the lead pastor of the church I had started to go to when I came to know Jesus. And I remember meeting him the first time, it was in the lobby. And I remember thinking clearly in my mind, he can see my soul. (laughs) I know it. And I I had this whole thing go through my mind, like, should I just start confessing my sin before he tells it to me? It would be better to beat him there. I remember thinking this vividly. And here's the weirdest part now is um, I've become that guy. I'm now that guy. You know, I talk to people in the lobby and I can see it happening. They're like, hello. And the difference is I know me in a way you don't know me. I can honestly say this with all integrity. There is no one more surprised at the life that I get to live than me. Nobody. I know me. I know where I've come from. I know the life that I've lived. I know me. in a way that you know you. The crazy reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Spirit is this, that your weakness is not what disqualifies you, 
It is what qualifies you. It's the parts of you that don't quite make sense that make you usable in the kingdom of God. There's a percentage of you in the room tonight, it might be a big percentage, it might be a small one, but you think, this is the kind of thing I go to watch. It's like a spectator sport. I even had a few of you, I won't say who, say things like, I was just waiting, Jay, for you to call out my name or to look at me, give Jay a word from me. Um, You can want that. That's fine. Uh, I had a friend visit church last Sunday who I've been inviting for three years. Three years. I probably invited him 300 times. He said he's coming 15 times, and he came this last week. And I was preaching, and I finished preaching. We went into ministry time, and I saw him in the lobby afterward, and he said, Jay, I was waiting at the end for you to look at me and say, I'll call him Joe, Joe come up here and give your life to Christ. (laughs) And he was, (laughs) he's with his wife and she's like, and they're very serious. They're not joking. They're both like, and we're staying in the lobby. And I said, and he goes, and then you didn't. And I said, do you want to do it now? Like right now? I mean, I don't know what we're doing. I've asked you to do this more than once. He's like, I would have done it right then. I'm like, do you want to do it now? He's like, no, no, the the moments, the moments pass. But all of that sort of magical, like, stuff, the stuff that starts to enter in, and I understand why, right? Because the things we're talking about are really weird. Like people hearing from God and ministering to each other, and it feels otherworldly. My prayer, my hunch for tonight, and that's why I want to kind of try to move quickly, is a number of you are going to realize, maybe for the very first time tonight, that this isn't something that you just kind of catch in a room or other people are doing and you're observing. But tonight, I believe God is going to recruit all of you into this work. By his spirit, he's gonna speak to you and lead you and lower some of the boundaries and empower you to do this work. Right now, as I say that, there are some of you saying, That's for someone else. I'm talking to you. So just take mental stock. I'm talking to you. I think God is going to do something tonight, and many of you, that will surprise you and recruit you in a way that you didn't imagine. And the great news is, this is consistent with the scriptures. The passage I want to look at actually follows neatly after the one I looked at last night with you. It's in Acts chapter 3. I'll start in verse 1, and Luke writes this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. It's an interesting way to start. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Okay, this story is a normal day. This isn't like a prayer meeting 
This isn't like a church gathering. They're on their way to a thing, and the way Luke describes is, he says they were going up to the temple at the time, and it's kind of a strange translation. It could easily be translated for the time of the prayers. It's worth studying that for those of you that are Bible nerds, which there's many of here, apparently. The time of the prayers, meaning that there was like a rhythm, there was a way that people knew they were supposed to do prayers at certain kinds of times. And so they're going up, they're doing the normal thing in the normal way, and the normal guy is sitting there. Here's what's really strange about this. It's very, very likely that Jesus himself passed this guy by a number of times walking into the temple. Uh, They say he's been there for a while. He's been carried there often. And we know that this gate actually goes right into a place uh, called, generally called Solomon's Porch. We know that Jesus taught there often. So, you know, we can kind of do a little bit of math and say, okay, so Jesus would walk past this gate where this guy generally was and he would go and teach in this place. That means Jesus had walked past likely this guy multiple times. But for some reason on this day, in this moment, Peter and John notice him differently and something happens that changes everything. The very next bit, it says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's a normal day, extraordinary thing. I want to pause for one second and ask, why is there healing at all in the Bible? Like, why is this a thing? Like, why do people get healed? Why does Jesus heal people? Why are they healing people? What's the point of this? Uh, You may have been raised in churches that said that miracles like this happen were simply a way for people to preach the gospel. So miracles would happen so that they could preach the gospel because the most important part was the preaching part. That was probably uh, decided by preachers. (laughs) Because they think their part's the most important part. There's something true about that, so I don't want to say it's completely not true, because actually in the places that miracles happen, people do tend to preach. They tell people about Jesus. But why miracles? This kind of miracle. Like, so for example, if it was really just about trying to create a moment to preach, you could do different kinds of miracles. Like, why wouldn't Jesus just rise up into the sky, shoot fireballs from his eyes, do a few loop-de-loops and go, and let me tell you? That would get my attention. He could do that, right? I mean, he could. So why this? Why healing? Well, here's why. It's very, very simple. It's what we talked about last night. The things that are promised in the future, that you are fully well and whole and all is made right, these are glimpses of the future in the present. The future is breaking backward into the present. So the thing that you know you have in the future uh, complete healing, that, that's going to happen. 
God is giving you a taste of it now. And this is really important to pay attention to because when, when you get in these kinds of environments, people get really into the healing thing and it's super exciting and it creates all kinds of pressure and then people aren't sure why they aren't healed and what does this mean and who has faith and who doesn't have faith and whose fault is it and all the things. So let me just be really clear because we'll talk about a bit of that here in a minute. But let me be really clear. Everyone that gets healed in the Bible or in this room tonight will eventually get sick and die. Okay? Every healing is a great thing. And then you die anyway. Okay, like, I mean, I know this is sound, sound like I'm being a little coy, but it's just true. You're not healed forever, you die anyway. Uh, one of my favorite questions to ask New Testament scholars, I ask it every time I'm with a New Testament scholar, I say, I ask them, how long do you think Lazarus lived? Okay, so he's risen from the dead. Is he alive like a day? Like a month? Like a year? There is some church history documents that talk about this, by the way. But whatever it is, he dies again. Now, here's where it gets trippy. If Lazarus died right away, like, so he's risen, Jesus brings him up, and then they're like, oh, wow, Lazarus. And he's like, oh, don't feel great. And then he, <laughs> and then he dies again. Because, like, when he's risen, he's not, like, 25, right? I mean, he doesn't go, like, in a time machine. So he's risen, and he's like, oof, this is a lot. I think... I don't, I'm gonna go, I'm just gotta go to bed. And they're like, ah, oh, crap, he died again. Get all, the, get all the things going again, let's do it again. If that's what happened, like it was quick, some people think it was really quick, like maybe a couple days. If that's true, that means this other weird thing happens where, you know, when Jesus dies and he raises, you know, this little bit, there's this little strange bit in the Gospels that says, and then many righteous people came out of the grave. So it's possible Lazarus dies, he raises, he dies, and he raises. <laughs> and then he dies again. <laughs> and I can imagine Lazarus just being like, I don't want to do any of this. I want it all to stop. Please, nobody touch me, do not pray for me. I don't want it. This, I'm, I'm sure this is really helpful for all of you. I, I'm doing way better on the other part. So call it. Let's call it. These are real things. I mean, like, that's real. Even the people that raise, the righteous people from the graves, they just like, you know, they're dead now. I mean, it sounds like I'm kind of making fun and I'm not. So what is the point of all of that? Here's the point, it's very clear in the scriptures, it's super, super clear. The miracles are simply a sign that points to Jesus and his kingdom. They point. The healing makes it so people go, wow, let's look at God. Let's see what he can do. Let, let's ask him for more. Let's look at all the ways that he can transform and change things. It's to look to Jesus. 
We don't just look for the sign in and of itself. We look for where the sign points. I mean, there's some of you that you collect signs. That's weird. You're really into the signs. You need instead to look at what he gives you in his hand, you you instead look at his face. You want to be enamored with Jesus. You want to be enamored with his glory and his beauty and his majesty and his kindness. Knowing that when we're not healed, when we don't see the miracles, it doesn't mean he's not who he says he is. And it doesn't mean that if he does give these things, that somehow they stand in and of themselves because they don't. I remember vividly, the first miracle I saw, like, like healing miracle, I was playing basketball on a court with some guys. The dude uh, that I'm playing with, the guy across the way, he twists his ankle and he falls over and it's swelling up. And I'm like a new vineyard guy, like falling in love with Jesus and I'm like, can I pray for you? And he's like, Ugh, you know, he's doing the thing and he's against the fence and I pray for him and he's instantly healed. And he goes, what is this? I go, this is Jesus. He goes, man, I want to play basketball. He goes back out and he sprains his ankle again, nearly instantly. It was like two plays later. And he looks right at me and goes, do it again. (laughs) And I prayed for him and he wasn't healed. And it was super confusing for me. I mean, seriously, I'm like, whatever I am, I'm like 20 and I was like, Lord, what does this mean? Why has this happened? And, you know, I thought you cared about him. And really, I'm like, why did I look so dumb? <laughs> is what I'm really thinking, if I'm very honest. But it, it took me a little while to realize that this, we're not just like doing magic tricks for Jesus. That's not what this is. We're inviting the presence and the power of the kingdom so that people are pointed towards Jesus. It's very important that you have that in your heart and in your mind to mature you in your faith. And these kinds of miracles exist so that we're moved towards Jesus. And really, I wanna be really clear, this kind of ministry in the spirit isn't just for meetings like this. To put it more directly, what we do in a room like this, what we do at these conferences where we do training and we try things and we talk about stuff is to increase our faith. This is practice. The game is out there. Practice. We're talking about practice. We're not talking about the game. We're talking about practice. Who who knows it? Oh, a few of you. We got some NBA people in the house. All right. Yeah, this is practice. This isn't the game. And I'm amazed at how many times people are in the rooms like this, like, oh man, this is like the whole deal. No, 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 this is practice. This is for where you go to work. This is where you're with your friends. This is where you, you go, you know, watch sports or whatever you do. I don't know what you do. Whatever you do is for out there. It's in your normal life. You don't just come to a place like this as though somehow the glory resides in this place. You are to be people sent and empowered in the spirit. The vast majority of the most miraculous things that have happened in my life have not been in church services. Just for me personally. I remember we were going to plant a church and we were walking around in Denver 
And you know, and I'm doing all the math, I'm like calculating it, like this is hard, like we're gonna move and I don't know if we can do this and we don't have any money and all this stuff and we're walking on, for those of you who've been in Denver, in 16th Street Mall and I knew we were gonna be in Arvada, I thought that's what God had called us to do and I'm literally talking to my wife and I'm like, oh, I just feel like we need, a, we need a word from God, we need something to just clarify this. And we'd had so many words, but you know, you know how it is, you just, it's just like one more might help. Uh, <laughs> that's really how it felt. I look back and it's a little embarrassing because he'd been really clear. But I'm like, I just want more. It would be really helpful. And I'm walking on the 6th Street Mall and I'm telling you, this, this thing happens. This guy taps me on the shoulder from behind, just out in public. And I turn around and he puts his hand on my chest and he goes, you've been called a pastor. <laughs> and I went, what? I mean, it, it, you know, it's like a normal day, normal place, the middle of the, you know, no, no worship team. Nothing. I'd just been saying this to my wife, and he goes, you've been called a pastor. And he turns and starts to just walk away. And I went, hey, hey. He turns around. I go, what is that? He goes, I don't know. Just leaves. To this day, I have no idea who that was. To this day, I have no idea what that was. And Danielle looks at me, my wife, and she goes, well, here we go. And I'm not kidding, it's maybe like two days later, I'm like, Lord, I just need a word. I, I, I don't know, like it's just this way more complicated than I thought, you know. It, it. I mean, seriously, just, just pay attention to what's happening inside of your mind and your body right now. There's some of you right now that you're like, that's me. Why am I not just doing the thing the Lord asked me to do? Why have I not just done that? You, you come here and you're like, if I could just get a word, another word? Another word? Listen, we'll ask and we'll do all the things tonight. Okay, we'll do all the things and it might happen and it might not happen, I don't know. But like, why don't you just do the thing? You could just do the thing. And we can practice, we'll do the thing here, but then you're gonna have to go out and do that for someone else. Listen, I, I don't even know what that guy was thinking. I think about this guy. Like he's probably walking around Denver right now. And he's got like some friends somewhere and they're in a Bible study and he's like, let me tell you this, this is one day. I'm walking around the 16th Street Mall and I just, since God say that that guy's called me a pastor and I just thought I gotta do this quick and I just <laughs> put my hand on him, I said this and I just walked away. <laughs> and he kinda got mad at me and I don't even know what that was. He's probably telling that somewhere right now. If you know who he is, just tell him I'd like to talk to him. But how many of the things that you'll give your hand to or your heart to will you never get to see the end of? because it turns out it's not about you. It, it, it's strange that God isn't more interested in your reputation. <laughs> so they do this thing, and I love this. He's jumping, he's dancing, he's doing all this stuff, and they're excited, and everybody's excited, and people all start coming and running. The next set of verses are so bizarre and they are so worth your attention. 
Listen to what happens next. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, Solomon's Porch. Watch what happens next. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Key verse. I don't know if you underline in your Bible. Some of you are like, that's illegal. (laughs) If you do, this is a verse to underline. Why do you stare at us, here it is, as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? I, I can hardly read this verse without being moved to tears. Peter is aware of himself. He's like looking at these people who are all excited and he's like, guys, do you know who I am? Just like the other day, I was thinking that I was done for good. I denied him over and over. And I decided to just go fishing for the rest of my life. And and he rose and he came and he got me. He found me on the water and he called me to the beach. I, I was so confused as they were bringing the boat in, I wrapped a coat around myself and I swam to shore. Peter, have you not swam before? Why did you put a coat on and then jump in the water? What are you, a moron? He's like, I am a moron. I don't know what I was doing. I was just, I was, I was blown away and I, I swam to the shore and by the time I was there, he was cooking me breakfast. I couldn't believe he was there. And I was so embarrassed. And I didn't know what was going to happen next. And he kind of peeled me off. And he just asked me over and over again, do you love me? And I kept trying to tell him I did. And then at the end of it, he said, let's do this again. Do you want back in? Guys, everybody, this is not by my own godliness or my power. You don't even know who I am. This is the power of Jesus, period. I'm sure of anybody, he is the most amazed. He's like, I cannot believe this is happening. I just can't believe it. How in the world am I doing this? How is this even possible? Listen. There are some of you that live in some kind of made up world where one day you'll become holy and godly and amazing and then you'll do amazing things. That is not true. Nothing will happen through your life, through your godliness or your power. Again, God is not that interested in your reputation. He's interested in his own. And he likes to use broken, messed up vessels so that everyone goes, wow, that must be God. Because <laughs> I know that person, and that makes no sense. In other words, if you find yourself the kind of person that's kind of messed up and you're sure God wouldn't use you, you're the exact kind of person he likes to use. Let me put it. Put it more directly. If you're the kind of person that thinks you're holy and good at stuff, God will probably have to level you in order to use you. 
We're, we're talking about something real right now. If you're the kind of person that's like, yeah, well, I'm like the best kind of person for this thing. Ooh, that's a problem. He's going to have to level you to use you because you need to know it's not about you. You need to be able to say like what Peter said. Um, Augustine, who I love very much, writes this. He says this, the way to Christ is first through humility, second through humility, third through humility. If humility does not precede and accompany and follow every good work we do, it is not before us to focus on. It is not beside us to lean upon. If it is not behind us to fence us in, pride will wrench from our hand any good deed we do at the very moment we do it. That is wisdom. Listen, if you find yourself tonight in a place, you're like, ooh, I am not usable by God. Wow, you you might have a fun night tonight. (laughs) Because God is going to show you how he chooses to work through you in such a way that he gets glory. This is problematic if you haven't been paying attention to what I'm saying. It's problematic for a lot of reasons. One reason it's problematic is because like a lot of bad people do really interesting things in ministry. Does that bother you? Um, From time to time, you may have heard about leaders who are doing cool things that are bad people, and they're discovered to be bad people. Does that bother you? It kind of bothers me. I wish, I mean, maybe I don't wish. I kind of thought it would work in such a way that God would, you kind of tell who the good guys are by who is moving in the power of God. Let me just be really clear here. Character and the ministry of the Spirit have nothing to do with each other. Does that bother you? Bothers me. By the way, if you read the New Testament in in the Bible as a whole, you see this to be true. I mean, someone like Samson is pretty confusing. Can you imagine being like a godly, nice person around Samson? Like you're really seeking God and then Samson is this horrible human being and God by his spirit is doing things through Samson's life and you're like, that's not right. Why in the world does it work that way? I don't really know entirely. Uh, Here's what I do know. Uh, Eventually, your sin does find you out, as a side note. The the character is a fuse. Eventually, it will blow if you're not actually growing in your character and moving in the Spirit. So I wouldn't recommend not working on your character. Some of you are like, this is great news, character. (laughs) Who cares? Pray for people. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they're not the same thing. That's all I'm saying. Both are important if you want a long-term life with Jesus. But this should liberate you and free you because it is solely by grace. It is solely by grace. It is solely because God loves to work with and through people. And the things aren't related. They're not connected. Peter knows that. He says it that flatly. It's not by my godliness. It's not by my power of some kind. This is only because of Jesus. For some of you tonight, that should encourage you. Like right now, you should be like, could I be recruited by God? If Peter is recruited, you are recruited. Actually, I think Peter is the perfect type of person, actually, throughout the New Testament. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites because actually all the disciples are morons. Seriously, they really are. Regularly, pretty much every page, they're like, what's going on? 
Why is this happening? Why isn't that happening? Jesus is like, what am I doing with you? How did you not get this? I mean, it's like the, it's like the disciples exist to lower the bar so low that you were like, I bet I could do it. I mean, I don't know if that guy can do it. They're regular, I mean, they're with Jesus. He's teaching them directly. And they're like, what? Right, it's all through the New Testament. Like, like I, I love it when he's like, you know, Peter, you know, who, who do people say I am? People are like, I don't know, some people say Elijah, some people say this. Peter's like, I know you are, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. People don't notice this, but Jesus says, this was not from you. That was revealed to you somehow. Peter's like, yeah, that's right, yeah. And it says, and then from that point, he began to describe to them how he'd be handed over the chief priests and he would be tortured and crucified. And Peter goes, nope, not doing that part. We are not doing that. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. In, in two dialogues, he goes from the rock I will build my church on to Satan. And Peter, Peter just is like, Okay, what are we doing next? And this is just Peter like all the way through. It's not like there's, oh, there's that one weird moment, right? It's just like all the way through, all the way through, over and over, this just like keeps happening. This is the same guy I just read to you about. Same guy, over and over, like transfiguration. He's like, this is great. We should just stay here forever. No. Like, 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 it's just over and over and over. Okay, here's the one. This is the one that really relates this. They're in the boat and they're like, we're, oh man, we're gonna die. This is the worst, we're gonna die. And they see Jesus walking on the water past them in the storm. You know this story? Walking past them. And they're all like, ah, it's a ghost. And Peter's like, I don't think it's a ghost. I think it's Jesus. They're like, what is this? Now, what would you do next? Like, what are your things you might do? Think of the options of what you might do. Like, oh my gosh, we're gonna die. I think that's Jesus. No, it's not, I don't know. You might be like, is that you? Something like that, right? <laughs> that's what I would do. Is that you? Nope, not Peter. Not Peter. Peter just puts him, he inserts himself into the moment. He goes, if it's you, call me out there. What the heck is happening? And I just, I, you know, I can see this in my mind. I see it from Jesus's vantage point. Like he's looking through this storm and he hears this and I can just imagine him, a smile <laughs> cracks across his face and he goes, come on out. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know we were gonna do this part. Let's, <laughs> let's give it a go. This is interesting. And if you've ever read the story, it really happens like this. I mean, it really happens like this. And it's, it's recounted a number of times. If Peter steps, I mean, like, just seriously, just think through this for a second. He stepped, he just kind of. He's on the water. And he starts walking. Now, if you've ever heard preachers preach this story, it usually, it says, and then he noticed the wind and the waves and he began to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. 
And Jesus grabs his hand and pulls him up and they get in the boat together. This is usually the point in the sermon where the preacher goes, oh, Peter, so little faith. How did you not just keep your eyes on Jesus? If you keep your eyes on Jesus and And that's the sermon, right? You've heard this sermon. I don't need to finish the sermon. That's the sermon. And we make Peter the bad guy. Like, oh, Peter, oh, boo. I don't think that's the way to understand that text. I think that's a complete misunderstanding. Listen, I, I don't know Peter. I can't wait to hang out with Peter someday. But if I'm betting, just kind of what you can tell from Peter. My hunch is the rest of his life, when he's walking along that sea, he looks at the guys and goes, hey guys, remember that one time? <laughs> do you remember that one time? You, you, and they're like, I just, can, can we just not do this again? So no, no, listen, remember that one time, that one time where, where we were in the boat and you guys were like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And, and I was like, Jesus, call me out on the water. Remember that? And like, yeah, we remember, Peter. We were all there. It was amazing. It was amazing. He goes, yeah, yeah, you guys were cowards. I was the only guy that gave it a go. It didn't even occur to you. It didn't even occur to you. And then one of them was like, yeah, but you started to sink. He's like, yeah, but I walked on the water. I walked on the water. I did it. He did a thing that no one else even attempted let alone ask for. That is not a story about failure. That's not what that is. That's a story about faith and risk. And it's a story how even in that risk and that faith, when it still goes wrong, Jesus still grabs a hold of him. That's what that's a story about. Listen, if, what if you could be that kind of person? The kind of person that just takes a risk believing that it's not about you, but it's about what God can do and that God can rescue you in any moment. And you might look kind of dumb from time to time. It might not work all the time. It might kind of go weird and you don't quite understand what just happened and you don't know why it happens. By the way, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, but that's all old Peter stuff. By the time we get to Acts, he's like new Peter, you know? Yeah, that's true, except in Galatians 2, Paul appears and goes, Peter, you are an idiot. You don't even understand the cross. And Peter's like, I'm so sorry. My bad. Uh, who I gotta apologize to? It, it, it never ends. This guy is just used by God continually and he quickly repents and he's regularly risking. That's who he is. And God continually demonstrates that he will grab a hold of him. There's some of you in this place that know this to be true, but there's some of you that don't yet because it's time for you to take some risks. It's time for you to see if God might want to work in and through your life. And you, I'm telling you, you will be more surprised than anyone else. You'll be the most surprised. That's my experience. That's my life. Um, Let me finish with this story. It's an illustration of this that is the number one illustration of my life where I get to look like a fool. Uh, I was on... 
the campus of the Ohio State University. That's where I went to school. And uh, I'm there on campus and they had a street preacher guy. Have you ever seen these guys? You've seen street preacher guys? And he's screaming at students. Uh, it was a guy named Brother Jed. He travels around the country. And Brother Jed would scream at people and he would go, whore, prostitute, you will burn in the fire. If you look at, if you look at uh, videos, I got it real close. He's on YouTube. You can look him up. And, and I'm a new believer. I'm following Jesus. And I'm like, this is not happening. And so I go right over and I'm like, you, you don't even know Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Well, the problem is, is he was really smart and really skilled and I know nothing. So he would just be like, well, what about this Bible verse? And I'd be like, yeah, but you're mean. And I just didn't know, I didn't know anything, but I just knew this isn't right. So I'd like argue with him, argue with him. And you know, so anytime he was out in the oval, this grass area, I would just go and argue with him. Cause I was like, somebody has got to stand against this guy. So after like maybe a year and a half, two years of this, and it was two years. I would do it every time. I'd skip class. I'd do whatever. I just thought, I am standing for Jesus against this mean guy. After two years of this, one day, a normal day, uh, he's doing his thing. And I come up and I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting because it helped train me. I learned some new things about the Bible and I go read stuff and I come back. So anyway, we're doing this thing and he, we're arguing again. And he goes, hey, Jay, I have a question for you. We're on a first name basis now. And I said, sure, what, what, do you want to, what do you want to ask me? He said, you know, you think that you know the real gospel, the true way of Jesus, that's full of grace and love and hope and is open to everyone, and I'm telling you that people are heretics and they're, you know, damaged and blah, 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 blah. Um, if your gospel is so true and if your Jesus is so good, why do you come and steal my crowd? Why don't you just go and tell people about Jesus? Why are you going to mess with me? I was like, yeah, well, you know, you, you know, because you're, you know, you're, you're doing a bad thing, so you should stop. He's like, what? I'm like, I don't, what? I don't know. And he's like, well, why are you stealing my crowd? You could just, why, don't you have any guts? Don't you have any courage? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't somebody speak for your Jesus? If your Jesus is so amazing, why is nobody talking about him? And I'm like, that's, you know, I'm going to go. So that was a good talk, and I'm walking away, and I, you know, have you ever, this conviction is just settling on me. And by the time I get to my dorm, I'm going, he's right. Why doesn't anybody speak for Jesus? So I'm in a small group that night, and I look at a few of my friends, and I'm like, I think like somebody else should speak for Jesus. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, so who, you know, we should pray about that. And they were like, well, it should be you. I go, I don't know how to preach. I've never preached before. And I hadn't. I never preached. They're like, well, you could just try. And I'm like, try? Can you just try that? I don't know how that works. And they're like, we should just try it. I'm like, okay. So we pick a day and we go out. And I, I'd seen how he did it. He would gather a little crowd because he was mean. People come and argue with him. But I knew I wasn't going to be mean, so I didn't know anybody. So I made a fake crowd. It was my like seven friends, and I just said, you just have to act like, like, what's this guy saying? And I'd, I'd set it up so they would ask me certain questions, because I knew the answers to those questions, right? It's like a whole thing. And I don't know if you, anybody here ever street preach? Anybody ever tried this? 
Okay, like here's the hardest part of street preaching is starting. So you're standing there, there's just people walking around, and I'm like, Need an opening line. Opening line. Okay, the opening line is going to be, let's talk about Jesus. Here we go. And I mean, literally, like, I'm standing there like, come on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, hold on. Almost there. Whew. Finally, I'm like, let, and I, and I let, and there's a, there's a guy walking right here. He's like, oh, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. Boom. Gosh, this is the worst. We're all here. So I take another deep breath and I go, let's talk about Jesus. Any questions you want to ask? He loves you. But, you know, I, and I'm waiting for one of my friends to like, you know, what, what, about the, what, what about suffering in the world or whatever. One of the things we'd set up. And all of a sudden this dude just pops out of nowhere. It's not my friend. He's like, I got a question. I'm like, no, 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 no. Any other questions? <laughs> I got a question. Okay. And he goes, and he just starts in. Like, you know, the, the, there's a Greek text and there's an Aramaic text and then the Hebrew text. And I'm a textual criticism person and I'm studying this at Ohio State. And I'm wondering, when you think about how the Latin relates to the Hebrew, which is actually Aramaic, what do you want to say about how the transcription errors relate to the da-da-da? And I'm like... You know, this is great. This is a great question. Great question. Uh, you know, and I want to say God loves you. And Jesus made a way for you. And he goes, what? And I go, I don't know. I, and he's like, this is ridiculous. You don't even, you don't know what you're doing. And I was like, I'm so, you know, but can I just, can we just pray? He's like, I don't want to pray. And he walks away. This is, we're like, it's like 15 seconds. And I look at my friends and I was like, you know, I think that's good for today. I think, I think we're going we're gonna to call it here. That's enough. Let's go have lunch. And we went and had lunch and my friends were like, that was so bad. Wow. I mean, could we, could, we could never even imagine something going worse than that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of how it felt to me. Oh, gosh. I mean, seriously, we're sitting there eating these cheesesteaks. I'll never forget it. And by the end, we are howling. I mean, we're crying. We're laughing so hard. Like, wow. Gosh, what was that? How in the world did we think that was God? That was not God. It was the worst. And, uh, and anyway, one of my friends is praying, and then he's like, I think it's God, man. I really do. I think we got to go back. I'm like, okay, you know, let's get a better, we need a way, way better plan. Um, very long version of that is I, for what ended up being three years, I, I would preach in that oval two or three times a week. And we saw dozens of people come to Christ. I really learned to preach in the open air. And I ended up studying philosophy because I was so interested in how those dynamics worked. But you know, I always thought about that guy. Couldn't get him out of my head. Really bugged me. I did, I thought about him a lot. I thought, I'm so embarrassed. I feel like I probably hurt that guy. I really let him down. And I couldn't get rid of it. Honestly, it was almost like I was being tortured by it. 
And it was probably 10 years later, I'm teaching at a little workshop of some folks in a church thing. And then we were going to do a ministry moment. In the middle of it, I, looked, I kept looking at this guy. I'm thinking, I know this guy. And in the middle of it, it, we were going to prayer, and I went to pray for him. And right then, as I went to pray for him, I went, I know you. And he opened his eyes. He looked at me. He just started crying. He was like, I am so embarrassed. I can't believe you recognize me. I said, I recognize you because, like, I'm tortured by you. <laughs> Like it really, I did. I said, just like, it really bothers me when I think about you. And he was like, listen, Jay, I got to tell you, you know, I, I gave my life to Christ like a number of years later. And when I tell my testimony, because um, he was in ministry, when I tell my testimony, I always talk about you. I talk about you. I said, really, what do you say? He said, well, I tell the story of watching this guy preach and that I went at him, he had he really had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> but then the rest is I watched you from a distance for years. And when I watch you from a distance, here was the witness in my heart. The witness in my heart is I still am not entirely sure that that guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> but what I do know is he believes what he's saying. Because why would anyone make such a fool of themselves <laughs> unless they had been encountered by Jesus? Why would anybody do that? And Jay, it, I, when I tell my testimony, I talk about it, it's like someone was holding my head above the water. Just watching you, I went, I don't know that he knows what he's doing, I don't believe what he's saying, but that guy believes it. Why is he doing you? And he goes, and by the way, he did get better over years. I was like, thank, thank you. But it was such a miracle to me because it was, one of, it was one of the ones that hurt the most, if I'm honest. And if I'm honest, I, got, I probably got a dozen more of those that are confusing. They didn't close up the way I wanted to, and it felt like God gave me one to say, you have no idea what I'm doing when you're not watching. You don't know that anything you do in faith with kindness, God uses for his glory, sometimes by just making you a fool. The kind of fool that shows the love of God.